Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, my name is Rip, and we're sitting here today with our friend David Pooter. David wrote a very good article for the website last year uh, having to do with strength training and, and its effects on depression. And uh, David's in town for our seminar this weekend, and we snagged him out of the front, brought him back here, set him down in front of these, these bright lights, and we're now going to extract information out of him, whether he wants us to or not. So, Dave, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for coming. So, what, uh, since you have written the article, first, let's, let's briefly go over the gist of the article, to, because 98% of these people don't know what the hell I'm talking about, because nobody reads the articles we put. That's why we put them up several times, right? So. Recap the, the gist of the article, and then let's see what's happened since then. So the gist of the article is, well, when I, let's say, when I was going through residency, which was like eight years ago, I read a book called Spark, and it was a book about the mental health benefits of cardio. And briefly, you're a psychiatrist. I'm a psychiatrist now. Right. And so I was really interested in how exercise positively influenced mood. But for the longest time, I thought it was just cardio. Right. And so when I got into everybody st- does. When I got in starting strength, exercise equals cardio. That's in the general perception. Yeah. 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 So when I got into starting strength and weightlifting, I started kind of like looking up some articles and kind of doing some digging. And I had a, a couple different students who did some rotations and they do some some digging and some research for me. And so basically. The, the article that I wrote for starting strength was showing some of the newer studies that showed that strength training actually both decreases depression and improves cognitive function. Right. Both cognitive function, like for someone who's healthy in their 40s, mm-hmm. but also cognitive function in someone who's like 70 or 80 who wants to prolong, you know... Their ability to have cognitive function. Their IQ, right. Right. Um, prevent dementia, which is a huge issue for people who are older. Yes. So I, I started looking into it, and so I was like, you know what? I think this would be a good article for starting strength. I mean, we hadn't met before, mm-hmm. but I... And it, it, yeah. it was it's extremely important because uh, one of the more universal observations that everybody, literally everyone that starts this program makes, either several months or several years down the road, is that they didn't just get physically stronger. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes this observation. Uh, sometimes it's a it's it's hyperbolic, in in that it's it's uh, uh, possibly an overstatement. But everybody seems very enthusiastic about it. In 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 that they will say it has changed my relationship with myself, but more importantly, it has changed my relationship with my family and friends and the general public. I present myself differently now. I function at a higher level. And it, they're not just talking about picking up the barbell. Yeah. So I think it's obvious that, that uh, the cognitive and the, the personality effects are all positive from lifting weights. The question is, when is the medical community going to understand that this is an extremely valuable therapy for people on the low end right. that need a boost in these in, in these 
parameters, these extremely important parameters. Yeah, so I think... Is it on the horizon or not? So I, I would like to say that it's hopefully going to get out there more. So mm -hmm. I have a, the podcast that I run, Psychiatry and Psychotherapy. You know, we have 10,000 subscribers at this point. Right. Or 11,000. How do we find it? Uh, just if you just look Google up if you look up psychiatry and psychotherapy okay. podcast, it's it'll, like the first. It's like the in the top three. Okay. Um, and so I have a couple episodes, you know, where I met with different people and talked about these things. Um, and the idea being to start to educate the mental health community because this is a podcast for mental health professionals right. for physicians who treat mental health it's patients. Essentially, an in-house thing, right? Yeah. And so I think that over time, hopefully, the you know, someone needs to, to preach to the physicians other than the drug reps. Because right. the drug reps, yes. I mean, there is a lot of funding for them to come knock on doors, to give brochures. There's, right. there's no one like that for exercise. Right. There's no one like that for diet changes. There's right. no one like that for lifestyle types of things. So, I mean, we could start buying you guys lunch, I guess, but, you know, catering stuff in the office. At some point, it's you just gotta like, you just gotta think. What are all the ways that I can help someone? Right. And I, you know, so that's kind of how I stumbled upon this. And one of the more recent studies, which was a meta-analysis, coming out of Switzerland and Germany, just like a couple months ago. I'll, I'll give, um, I'll give you guys a link you can put in your show notes. Okay. Really nice article. It compared cardiovascular exercise to strength training, and it looked at effect size across high-quality studies. And the effect size for cardio was around 0.8, um, which is pretty good. Right. The effect size for strength training, once you took out the uh, the yoga and the, the tai chi. Which have to be removed when you're talking about strength training. Right. Right. The, the effect size was 1.4. That's, that's a, let me. Explain effect size. First. Okay. So you have two groups of people you're studying. So in this case, it was people who didn't do anything and people who did the intervention. Mm -hmm. So you essentially have like two little mountains, like two little bell curves of these groups of people. They all start in the same place, mm -hmm. same depression scores. Right. And then with the treatment, you have this mountain move away from the first mountain right. that didn't get any treatment. Right. And it's like and how- so time's the only variable. How right. far did they move away? Right. So, you know, if you look at like a bell curve, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's by standard deviations. Right. So the first standard deviation is around like 67%. The second standard deviation, there's like 95% falls into that. So what we're talking about when we say an effect size of like one, we're talking about a movement away of these two little mountains by one standard deviation. Right. So if you want to read medical literature, you need to understand effect size. Mm -hmm. So very, very important. So with an effect size of 1.4, that's that's significant right that's really really good i mean that's like that's what we get in psychotherapy right and i i think a lot of people still need psychotherapy like right. so i would and medications but it's like the combination of things which right. i think is the most powerful right what do you think it is about strength training that produces this this gigantic quite measurable effect in improvement in in depression and cognition. Yeah, so a lot of that, 
is not completely understood. Like on a physiologic, if you wanted to understand like the right. biology of it, I mean, from the cognitive studies, we yeah, know that there's- Yeah, we're about cell signaling and stuff like that. But I mean, what is, in, 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 in large, what do you think the, the primary effect is? Is it handing the person an ability to affect their existence that is essentially a one-to-one -one relationship. You put in, this is what you get out, right? Empowerment, I guess, would be the California term for that. Yeah, so I mean, that, that has a definite influence. When right. someone starts taking, like, I'm gonna take ownership of my own right. trajectory, I'm gonna take ownership of my own mental health, Right. you know? Because there's some people who are so depressed, they can't even take a pill. Like, they're just lying in bed, they're like, they need to be almost dragged to the doctor's office, right. like super, super depressed. Right. There are some people who, when they're depressed, they lose their motivation. And so starting to practice something that's disciplined, that's hard, that's repetitive, this creates brain changes. There's no doubt sure. about it. Sure. Stress recovery adaptation, I think right. doesn't just apply to, to strength gains. I think no. it applies to psychological gains. Sure. So if you want to develop um, calluses between your temples, you right. know, you have to do something hard. Right. And that's why actually in this study they show that intensity, like closer to your one rep max, right. actually increased the effectiveness of the, of the strength training. Mm -hmm. which, is, which is why starting strength <coughs> just makes sense to me as well because it's like you're actually pushing them right. pretty hard. The fifth rep of a heavy set of five Tough. is the most important rep. And Probably the most important thing about that rep is that you decide to do it. You have to find out whether you can do it or not. And that requires that you actually start down on the squat and then see if you can get back up. If you can't, if you can't get back up, you've learned something. If you do get back up, you've also learned something. And that's the lesson that we're talking, that's where the calluses between your ears come from. That's absolutely right. And, I, and I'm not really concerned about the, the, uh, the mechanisms, the etiology of this, of this kind of thing, although it's, it's terribly important. But what I'm concerned about is the fact that we all know that this works. We all know that we can hand ourselves power if we will just test ourselves and make an uncomfortable decision about doing something that we don't know whether we can do or not and then showing ourselves we can and that that's a very important first step down a path away from the problems that that you probably see all the time I've been coaching some people out of my garage and I tell them because a lot of the times on that fifth rep, they don't psychologically think they can do it. So right. you'll see them start to move up out of the squat, and then it's just like, oh, coming down. You know, well, it's it was like, hard to push on. So we right. have this rule in my little garage gym, like yeah. you go for five seconds no matter what, right. and you go all out for five seconds. Right. And a lot of times they surprise themselves. Yes, yes. I've been doing this 41 years, and two weeks ago I surprised myself. What did you do? I did a third rep that I knew I couldn't do. 
I was benching, yeah. Steph spotting me. Uh, I'd done a heavy single, didn't feel terrible. Backed off to a set of three. I got the first two reps, the second rep felt like shit. Hurt, felt like shit. And I said, I'm gonna try it. Just real close, and I knew I couldn't do it. And the damn thing went up better than the second rep. You don't know until you try. That's all there is to it. And the you're making a deal with yourself when you try something like that. You're making a deal with yourself. You're saying to yourself, it's all right if I miss it. I'm going to give myself permission to miss it. But I'm not going to give myself permission to not try it. And if you can make that leap, I think, you know, good things lay down that path, right? Yeah. And I think it's um, – if, if someone hasn't gone through an, a, a linear progression, they may not know what we're exactly they, talking about. They do not know. They absolutely do not know. I promise you, Dave, they don't know. And the only way to learn it is out there mm-hmm. under the bar. That, that it's that important. It really is. And, uh, and you know, all of us know that. Everybody that's been in this position that has, you know, well, tonight during the seminar, during the, during the 6 o'clock lecture, I'll ask people, everybody in the room, have you guys, is, how many people in the room have not had the following experience? You take the bar out of the rack. You do the fourth you do four reps of your set of five. You get down to the fifth rep and you say to yourself, I don't know that I can do this. And then you do it and it goes. Mm-hmm. And you rack it and you say to yourself, you know, I wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. How else would you learn that? You know, you know, I mean, Reynolds talks over there at SSOC podcast, Barbell Logic, about voluntary hardship, right? Yeah. You know, my parents grew up in the Depression, and every day was like that for them. Can we get through this shit, right? We don't have that. We don't have that. We don't have that. And as a result, we have a lot of problems built into the psychology of society right now that are the result of not having had that. And this thing out here is kind of a artificial way to get back to what human beings were designed to, to overcome. And I, that sounds grandiose and silly, but it's not. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's terribly important. You know, one of the things that you say that at first when you say it, it's, it sounds a little bit silly. Yeah. Strength makes you harder to die. Harder to kill. Harder to kill, yeah. Yes. And um, so I was digging into some research on this. Mm -hmm. And I actually think it's true. Like, I mean, it's not just true, like, in terms of, like, if you got attacked someday, you'd Mm -hmm. be more likely to win if you're a stronger person. But it's actually true in terms of preventing diabetes. Right. Preventing heart disease. Preventing osteoporosis. There are several low-quality studies done on strength and longevity that involve hand strength and other, 
you know, not terribly effective methods, but just general indicators of physical yeah. strength and their relationship to longevity. And I've, I've seen several of these, and they're all, they all returned exactly the, the result that you would expect they would return. Yeah. And uh, Oh, I mean, muscle is like, as people get older and they have medical issues, right. their, their body, they lose muscle. They get yes. sarcopenia. Certainly. That, I mean, a lot of the patients that I see, they have a hard time. They can't squat from their chair right. without their arms. Right. And so it's like, hey, you don't need to just do some little band exercises, you know, no. at, for PT. You, you need to squat. You need to squat. And or you, you need to get to where you can squat, and then you need to keep squatting, and then you need to get your squat stronger. And furthermore, yeah. you need to deadlift and press and bench press. And move large masses of levers and large amounts of muscle mass around and get to yep. where you can function like your body is supposed to function because your body and your brain are quite inseparable. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, what we're waiting on, since we all know this, is we're waiting on the medical community to catch up. I think the primary... Uh, bottleneck here is the idea, the unfounded idea that barbell exercise is dangerous. It's not. And that uh, I've actually heard the idea uh, stated by people who ought to know better that once you're past a certain age, you can't get stronger. Yeah. And that's just... I've, I've heard that too. Uh, that's once incredibly you're past, stupid. Once it's you're just, past 30 years old, you can't get stronger. You can't get stronger. That's stronger. what I heard. That's just, I've heard that. I've seen it written down. And it's such preposterous, non biological nonsense that it just, no. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a problem, though. It's a problem. And what the, the net effect of that problem is, is that the people that need this the most are going to be the ones that don't get it. And, uh, David is uh, uh, kind of out here on his own, I'm afraid, and uh, uh, you know, perhaps uh, some of you other medical professionals that deal in the mental health industry could maybe get your heads out of your ass and ask David more about this. Go to his podcast and listen and read our stuff and get up to speed so that you can help more people on this. Because this is an extremely important uh, matter. As the population ages, it is impossible to overstate the significance of this. And uh, David's doing the Lord's work. Thanks for being on with us today. It's a pleasure. Uh, we will uh, maybe revisit this topic in the future. And uh, David, welcome back anytime you have something new to, to tell us. What we want to happen, though, is for other people to, to realize the power of our approach and to utilize it every day. And we'd like to thank David for starting the process. And thank you for watching the podcast. We'll see you next time.